I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're gonna be in two passages. The first one is Psalm 23, and the second one is Philippians chapter four. So Psalm 23 and Philippians four. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Psalms uh, or the book of Philippians are located, uh, they're in two different sections of the Bible. So here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're in a physical Bible, uh, open up to the table of contents. There you're gonna find that the Bible's broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, Psalms is in the Old Testament. So find the Old Testament. Psalms is right in the middle of the list of books in the Old Testament. Uh, so find the book of Psalms. The second book that we're in is Philippians. It's in the New Testament. Uh, so locate the New Testament. And again, Philippians is kind of midway uh, through the list of books of the New Testament. So Psalms 23 and Philippians chapter 4. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you were just completely scared out of your mind? It happened to me today. Uh, I was driving down a highway here in Phoenix, uh, just minding my own business, going from uh, dropping the boys off at school to going to a meeting that I had. And I'm driving along and everything's great. And I look up ahead of me, I'm driving in the, the far left lane right next to the HOV. And as I'm driving along, I see a few trucks in front of me or a few cars in front of me, there's a work truck. And I guess he had realized that he was about to miss his exit. So guess what he did? In the middle of rush hour traffic, he flies across three lanes of traffic. And of course, every single one of us <coughs> slam on our brakes. And I came up behind the car in front of me. Luckily, I had a, a couple of car links between me and the car in front of me. But uh, slamming on my brakes, I just narrowly missed bumping in to the back of the car that was in front of me. And fear took over. Adrenaline had been pumping through my blood and, and I was tense and I had that like adrenaline reaction that you have after you get into a, an a near accident or a near uh, accident experience. I was I felt a little weird afterwards. I was kind of tense and uh, my heart was racing and I, I had to breathe, but it scared me so bad, I was frightened because I thought I was about to get in an accident. I thought I was about to do damage to vehicles. I thought I might hurt myself or hurt someone else. Oh, guys, it tore me up. It, it was not a great experience. Have you ever been in an experience where you were really afraid? Or maybe you're watching and Maybe fear and anxiety is something that you struggle with on a daily basis. Well, today we're going to be talking about fear because here's the reality is, you know, last week we talked about the fruit of the spirit and how our bodies, our lives, our, our, our faith produces fruit. It produces results. Uh, we looked at a parable where Jesus said that uh, good soil produces good fruit, good produce. And fear is not a good fruit. As a matter of fact, we're going to be spending the next three weeks talking about counterfeit fr fruit. You know, th those things that kind of take hold inside of us and whether we embrace them or don't like them, you know, try to get rid of them or struggle to get rid of them, they still keep us from living the way we want or the way we should 
live for Jesus. Because remember, we're in this series called Church and Culture, and it's all about how to live our lives as a follower of Jesus in a world or a culture that doesn't really like followers of Jesus. And so today, in the next couple of weeks after this one, we're going to kind of take a look at those things that hinder us, that, that hold us back from living our life for Jesus in today's culture. And fear is a big one. Fear and anxiety can prevent us from living the life of Christ that we want to live. And so today, I wanna focus on that. You see, fear can be a faith killer. It's, it's actually the polar opposite of faith. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we need to place our trust in Jesus and that how we are completely dependent on Jesus for everything that we do, whether spiritual or physical or mental or emotional, everything that we have, everything, every capacity that we have is dependent on God's grace, on Jesus's gifts. And fear is the counter, it's the polar opposite of that trusting and depending on Jesus. It's when we place trust in things that let us down. It's when we place trust in those things that make us concerned or worry. Instead of trusting Jesus, we buy into our fears. We buy into our anxieties and our concerns and we focus on them and we lose trust in Jesus. And so let's look at today's passage. The first passage is in Psalm 23. So again, Old Testament, right in the middle of the Old Testament. Here's another clue. It's really, in most of your Bibles, it's probably somewhere near the center of your Bible. There's where it's at in mine. It's really close. It's a huge book, uh, 150 uh, chapters in it. Uh, you know, you, it's pretty hard to miss. It's right there in the middle. We're gonna read all of Psalm 23. Now this is a psalm, this is a, uh, a poem or a, a song that David, the king of Israel, wrote. Now David, before he became the king, was a sheep herder, a shepherd. Uh, and he, he gives accounts of how he wrestled lions and bears to protect his sheep, his flock, and how he cared for them and loved them. And this psalm right here, Psalm 23, is a beautiful picture from David about how we should live our lives under the shepherding of God. So, so let's read right now, Psalm 23, starting in verse one, it says this, a Psalm of David saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. 
My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you grew up in church or, or you've, you've attended church for very long, you may have heard this passage. I mean, the, the verse four, even though or yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that phrase is actually pretty famous. It's a, it's a culturally relevant statement. But look at what it says. You know, we, we read this passage and we, we admire it for its poetic beauty and its symbolism, but let's take a moment and let's look at what it actually tells us. Look at verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, now think about this. This is David who grew up being a shepherd, taking care of a flock of sheep. And he is saying that the Lord is his shepherd. Now, now what did a shepherd do? A shepherd guided the flock. He guided them to places to eat and to rest and to drink, but he also protected the sheep. And so he's saying, you Lord are all these things. You guide me, you feed me, you give me something to drink and you protect me, you give me rest. You know, when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, there's so much that we can take, so much that's involved in the Lord being our shepherd. And look what he says next, I shall not want. He doesn't need anything if he's got the Lord. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, now, and now this, this verse, if you read it in the original language it was written in, it was originally written in Hebrew. If you read it in Hebrew, it talks about how he brings you to lie down in soft pastures, in soft grass. And so the idea here in verse two is that the Lord can give you rest. The, the, the Lord can give you that, that <sighs> moment that you need. Isn't that beautiful? Especially when we're talking about overcoming fear, this is just so beautiful. And it leads into verse three. Look at what he, remember, he's just talked about how the Lord leads us into rest. And look at what it says, verse three, he restores my soul. He restores your and my souls. He, he gives us that rest, that healing that we so desperately need. Continuing in verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness. You know, he's, he's gonna guide, as our shepherd, he guides us into the things that he wants us to do, the good things, the good plans, the good direction that he has for our lives. But look at why he does. Look at the, the very last line of verse three. He does it for his name's sake. You see, as God guides us, we're supposed to point back to God. We're supposed to point others to the life-changing hope of Jesus. The, him providing for us, protecting for us, guiding us, him giving us rest and giving us a place to ah, relax. Him laying out a path of righteousness and restoring our soul. All of that is so that we can in turn point other people to this good shepherd. Now, verse four, this is where I wanna 
really hone in on today. Look at what it says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Think about that. Does that sound like a pleasant place? Of course not. The valley of the shadow of death. It's ominous. It's dangerous. It's perilous. But look what he says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David is being clear that that he has no reason to fear anything because look at what he says next. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, the, the rod and the staff are two separate Hebrew words, but they, they meant the same connotation in, in different uses. You see, the rod was used to, to uh, uh, bring discipline or correction. So it had maybe a hook or, or a curve to it. And the shepherd would guide the sheep. And if the sheep strayed, he would use that hook or that curve and he would pull the sheep back in so that they wouldn't stray off and get lost or, or get attacked by wild animals. But then the staff was that gentle guide. As he's walking behind them with his staff, he's gently nudging and keeping them in the, the right path that the sheep need to go. And that rod, that staff brought comfort because that rod was the instrument that God used to keep the sheep on the right path to keep the sheep in safety. It was the the instrument that the shepherd used to guide the sheep to food and water and to also protect from wild animals. You see, if a lion or a bear came along, it was the rod that was the weapon of the shepherd to protect the sheep against that wild animal. So you see the rod and the staff are instruments of comfort. They're instruments of of safety for the sheep that the shepherd uses. And lastly, it ends in verses five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, Psalm 23 is all about us depending, leaning in faith on the goodness of God. And when we lean into that faith, we've got nothing to be afraid of. You see, the shepherd took care of all of the sheep's needs. That sheep had nothing to worry about. It just did what the shepherd guided it to do, and it always turned out best for that sheep. The sheep didn't have to worry. The sheep didn't have to live in fear because he knew that the shepherd had him. The sheep always knew that the shepherd was protecting and guiding and bringing that sheep to food and water and rest. And so this passage in Psalm 23 is such a beautiful reminder that we are not called. We don't have to live in fear because we have God. Jesus, as our shepherd, is guiding you. He's bringing you to food and water and rest, and he's protecting you. 
so we don't have to live in fear. God has our lives in his very capable hands. And maybe you're listening or watching right now and maybe you've never come to belief in Jesus. Maybe you, you aren't following Jesus. But maybe, maybe this sounds really good. Maybe having someone greater than you, someone who's all-powerful, all-knowing, knowing the past, present, and future, knowing your life and loving you and caring for you, maybe that's something you could use in your life. Maybe you wanna know more about Jesus or what it looks like to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus. You see, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he died on a cross to save you, to rescue you from your sins and the consequences of your sins. And on the third day after he died, it didn't end there. On the third day, he rose from the grave. He gained victory over sin and death. You want a good shepherd, that's the good shepherd. That's the one that can protect you and guide you and lead you to those places of food and water and rest. Of course, these are all images. They're all symbolic, but, but Jesus wants, out of his love, he wants to be that for you. He wants to be your shepherd. And if you wanna know more, I want you to reach out to us. Uh, there's a link in the comments, uh, in the, the post of this video. Uh, it's a, called a virtual or an online connect card. I want you to click that link. It's gonna take you to uh, our church's website, to the, uh, the contact us page of our website. I want you to fill that out and I'll reach out to you as soon as I possibly can. I would love to answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and what it means to follow him. I've, you know, clarify anything that you want clarification on, but please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. You see, God, God is perfectly able to be your shepherd. We don't have to fear because he's so much greater than anything that we could possibly be afraid of. If God is for us, who can be against us? Whom shall I fear is what the, the Bible says. We don't have to live in fear. And that leads me to today's big idea. I usually, in most of my messages, I, I try to give one simple statement that, that kind of sends home or drives home the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this. When we focus on the size of our fears, we forget the size of our God. Think about that for a second. When we focus on the size of our fears, we forget the size of our God. You see, God is greater. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. He's unchanging. He's perfect. He's loving. And he loves you. And out of that love, he is very capable infinitely capable of taking care of you. You don't have to live in your fear. You see, fear comes from one of two places. Fear comes from those things that are inside of us, and fear comes from things, voices from the outside 
of us. Let, let me explain. From the inside, it's the stuff that's inside of us, those worries and anxieties, those thoughts that keep us up at night. Listen to what the, the Bible has to say about that. This is Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. It says this, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heir, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, we don't have to live in fear because we are the children of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. And as that, you are being shepherd, shepherded by God, as Psalm 23 says. As a child of God, he is protecting you. He is watching over you. You are an heir to his kingdom. And so you've got nothing to be afraid of, but that the, those fears from the inside, those are the worries, the anxieties, the, the things that uh, we, we are consumed with because of our lack of control. And when we allow those worries and anxieties to, to take hold, they, they grow and mature into fear. They, they grow into something that's much greater than just the tiny worries or concerns that we may have had. You see, Matthew 6 and Philippians 4 and many other passages tell us from Jesus to not worry, to not live life worrying about things. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, who by worrying can add a single day to their life. You know, worry does us no good. And worry grows and becomes fear. You see, our, it's our own thoughts that create fear inside of us. And, and here in a few minutes, I, I'm gonna give you some uh, instruction from God's word about overcoming fear, uh, overcoming worry and anxiety and concerns that are welling up inside of your mind. And so, so hold on for that. So fear comes from two places, either inside or outside. We talked about where they come from inside, but they also come from the outside into us. You see, fear is the favorite tool of Satan. He loves to make us afraid. He loves to make us question our trust in God. He loves for us to be consumed by our thoughts, our negative thoughts. He loves that. And it's a favorite tool of false teachers and deceivers. Uh, they're sent out by Satan. They're probably deceived themselves. And fear is a tool that they love to use. The Bible describes these people, false teachers and, and uh, deceivers, they describe them as wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, now think about the visual here. A wolf wants to infiltrate the flock of sheep. Now, 
If you're watching Looney Tunes, it makes sense that maybe a sheep would, or a, a, a wolf would put on a costume and look like a sheep so he could infiltrate the flock. Now, a wolf, a true physical wolf, doesn't have the capacity to do that. So why the illustration here that the Bible uses, that, that there are wolves in sheep's clothing? It's an illustration, a visual to help us understand that there are people that we ourselves may see uh, or look to as followers of Jesus, but they're not actually followers of Jesus. They're wolves. They're, they're, they've infiltrated the flock of the sheep and they've done so to do damage, to hurt the sheep. You see, almost every book in the New Testament warns us about false prophets. It is, a, it is one of the most consistent themes through the New Testament. You see 2 Corinthians 11 is one example. In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 13 through 15, it says this, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguised, disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servant also, servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. But their end will correspond to their deeds. You see, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul warns us, that there are many false teachers, many deceivers that are out there and they look and they sound like followers of Christ. They have infiltrated the flock. These uh, can be people in your church. Um, they can be teachers like myself. They can be uh, bloggers or podcasters or authors or whatever but they use their influence to hurt the body of Christ, to hurt the members of the body of Christ. And we must be cautious. I, I, specifically today, I want to warn us against those people out there who have uh, media uh, uh, leverage, the, the talking heads is what I call them, the, those commentators, those bloggers, those, those podcasters, those authors, that seem very Christian, but there's something not quite right. Here's what 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3 says. 2 Peter 2, 3, it says, And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. You see, 2 Peter 2 tells us that there are, sheep, there are wolves in sheep's clothing that are going into churches and into the lives of Christians and they're hurting, they're deceiving and the reason they're doing it is for greed. See, there are a lot of those news anchors, there are a lot of those podcasters and bloggers and authors and they make a lot of really good money off of your anger and fear. They make a ton of money off of getting you really mad at things that the Bible does not say to get mad over. They make a lot of money over make, creating boogeymen that are gonna destroy you or destroy our society or destroy the world. 
or they're going to destroy the church. And these boogeymen are, you need to be afraid of them and you need to be aware of them. When in fact, Jesus has conquered all of those things and we've got nothing to be afraid of. You see, these are men and women who have to make up a crisis. They have to make up uh, a boogeyman. They have to make up something in order to place anger or fear in your heart. Because when they do that, they've hooked you in and you'll keep listening and you'll keep subscribing. And in turn, they get paid to do that. You see, they're feeding you the wrong information. If I was to pull up my calculator app on my phone and I wanted to come to the answer of four, that was the answer that I wanted from an equation. But instead of putting in two plus two, I put in one plus one. Am I gonna get four when I add one plus one together? Of course not. If I plug in the wrong numbers into the equation, I'm always going to get the wrong answer. And the fact of the matter is, is there are people out there who are continually trying to feed you the wrong information. Uh, Larry Osborne, I mentioned him a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lot of what we're doing in this series is based on a book that he wrote called Thriving in Babylon. Now, I would encourage you to go pick it up, Thriving in Babylon by Larry Osborne. In that book, he makes this statement. He says, avoid the gigo trap. And you say gigo, it's G-I-G-O. It's an acronym. Each letter stands for something and it stands for garbage in, garbage out. The fact of the matter is, is there are a lot of people who seem very Christian and make a, say things that sound very biblical but they're feeding you garbage. And when you're ingesting spiritual garbage, spiritual garbage is gonna come out. Fear, anger are going to be the result of letting that garbage into your spirit. There are just too many commentators that want to give us garbage because they know that in reality, we'll keep coming back to it. If they can make you afraid of something, you're gonna wanna come back and you're gonna wanna hear about how to overcome and how to be careful and how to be safe from whatever it is that they sold you the fear on. Whatever that boogeyman is, you wanna know how to avoid the boogeyman. So you're gonna come back to them or you're gonna get really mad about something. And let's be honest, we live in a society where we like to be angry. And so they're gonna make you angry and you're gonna keep coming back for more because you kind of like it even though you probably or hopefully know in the back of your mind or deep down in your gut, the Holy Spirit is telling you this anger is not righteous. It's not godly. Instead, live in the fruit of the Spirit like we talked about last week. You see, they feed us misinformation that makes them money and we are the ones who get hurt in the process. So fear comes from either inside of us or fear can be planted inside of us from the outside, from someone else, from Satan's workers. And I want us to be very careful about this. But listen, 
I, I don't want this to be doom and gloom because the best part about this, just like Psalm 23 said, there is hope. Jesus is our shepherd. He's protecting you. He loves you so much. He guides you. He leads you to places of food and water and rest. And while you're resting, he protects you and watch, watches over you. He, he revives your soul. He protects and watches over. He helps you. He guides you. He wants to do that for you. You see, there is hope in the battle against fear. Jesus has already won. Jesus has already defeated fear. When Jesus rose from that grave, he declared victory over fear. And you can have that victory. You can overcome through the power of Jesus. The second Timothy Chapter one, verse seven says this, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's encouraging him. He's just mentioned how he was raised by two very godly women who led him to know Jesus as his Lord and savior. And then he says this, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that he gives us, through the love that we receive from God and then in turn give out, and through the self-control that the, the Holy Spirit equips us with, we can overcome our fear. And that leads us to the next passage. Remember at the very beginning of the message, I mentioned there were two passages we were gonna look at. The first one was Psalm 23. The second one was Philippians chapter four. It's uh, kind of in the middle of your New Testament. Philippians four, we're gonna begin in verse six. So Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse six. Now this is Paul talking. He's encouraging the people of the city of Philippi, the, the church that's in the city of Philippi. And look at what he says in verses six and seven. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So stop there for just a minute. He is saying we don't have to worry. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to succumb to fear. And the way that we overcome our worry and anxieties and fear is by doing this, by living, by giving things to him through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Do you struggle with fear and anxiety? Then I would encourage you to, to spend time memorizing this particular passage, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We're gonna read verse 7 here in just a moment. We have to learn how to give our junk, our fears, our anxieties, uh, our worries, our concerns, our, our mistrust. We have to learn to give all of that trash, all of that garbage and give it to God. And we do that by praying Supplication means we, we give our requests. We, we ask him for something. So we pray, we communicate with him. We give him our requests. We ask him to help us with that. And then lastly, we're thankful for what he has given us. 
Make your request be made known to God. Look what verse seven says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, now I'll tell you right now, this is not an instantaneous fix. And this is not like a, like a fix. This is a very generalized idea. This is not step by step by step. But this is the beginning, the foundation to overcoming fear and worry and anxiety. You go and communicate with God. You give your requests. You ask him through supplication. You ask him and you live in thankfulness. And if you do that consistently, then God will bring peace into your life. He wants to do that for you. Then look at what it says in verse 8. Very next verse, verse eight says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Our minds should not be focused on fear or anger or worry and anxiety or whatever those things are. Our, our minds are to be focused on those things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and the things of excellence and, and things that are worthy of praise. That's what our thoughts should be consumed with. But we live in a society and that, that society and culture has infiltrated the church. We live in a society that tells us we need to take care of our own business. We need to take care of our own junk. And you need to worry about these things. And you need to dwell on the things that you're afraid of or the things that make you angry. It'll make you feel good. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear that our minds are supposed to be focused on godly things. Keep all the junk out of your life. Those people that make money off of making you angry or fearful, get rid of them. Live a life focused on God's word. Guys, let's be honest. We live in a society where we're more discipled by our televisions and our podcast than we are by God's word. Here's a challenge to you. Many of you struggle with being angry or concerned about the direction of our world. I'd encourage you to do this. Take a few weeks, maybe two, three, four. Take a few weeks and, and take a break from everything that you're reading or listening to or watching that analyzes the news or current events or culture or the state of the church. Just take a break from all of it and instead focus on God's word. Just a few weeks. Take a fast from all the, the outside noise that's coming in and instead focus on God and his word and see what happens to your thinking, to your thoughts, to your fears, your anger. See if that doesn't change. 
What kind of hold does fear have in your life? And what do you need to do to change that? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And we pray that as our shepherd, that loves for us, that guides us, that cares for us, that, that leads us to food and water and rest and protects us. Lord, as our loving shepherd, help us to overcome our fear. Whether that fear is from inside of us or whether that fear is the influence of those that we listen to or watch, Lord, we pray that you would help us to overcome our fears. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.